Good morning and welcome to the Pittsburgh Current Podcast. I am Pittsburgh Current Editor and Publisher Charlie Deach. Back with you as always on Thursday. Uh, we have issue five out on the streets this week and it is our our hockey issue, our pens, we call it our hockey issue, but it's really our pens preview. Um, I wanted to get down and do some uh, some wheeling hockey, but you know, we, we're just, you know, we're new, we're start up, you know, so we, we don't have the wheeling budget yet. Uh, so we're, we're still working on things like that. Um, our guest today will be Brian Metzer, the Pittsburgh current hockey writer and also a host of host of the Penguins radio net host on the Penguins radio network. One of the many hosts, one of the many hosts, Brian Metzer, which, you know, he was talking about that a little bit. So we don't have to get into that. Um, but a couple things first I want to talk about this week. Um, we're very excited this week. Um, you know, since we've started the Pittsburgh current, one of our goals was to really make an outreach into the arts community and bring uh, coverage of the arts back to the level that it, that it deserves. And um, we're very proud that this, that, uh, very proud to announce that the Pittsburgh Current is the official media partner of the Art Noir Guide to Pittsburgh for the upcoming Pittsburgh International. Um, and uh, it's we're working with the Andy Warhol Museum and the August Wilson Center. And I can't tell you how humbled and honored we are to be a part of that. Um, it's the, the Carnegie International is, is a major event and there will be, uh, you know, it's six months long and the arts, the, the, Aside from the international, there will also be so much to see um, from from local artists and local galleries that, you know, and this guide will sort of be a, a, a way to kind of see everything that's coming and make sure that you, you get the most out of uh, this time around the Pittsburgh, Interna- the Carnegie International. So we're really excited about that. And we want to thank the folks at Art Noir, uh, the August Wilson Center and the uh, Andy Warhol Museum for uh, working with us. Um, on that and for making us their media partner. It's uh, like I said, it's quite an honor. So we really do appreciate that. Now, probably the opposite of arts. We're going to, although hockey, I think is more of the, one of the more artistic sports next to figure skating. And uh, I don't mean that as an, that's not like an insult, Brian. I didn't mean that. Brian Metzer is here (laughs) of uh, (laughs) the Pittsburgh Currents hockey writer. I mean, there's just, you know, I've always felt like that hockey is one of the, uh, Hockey has the toughest athletes, in my opinion, than most any other sport. But it's also, in a way, except for the fights that break out, it's also, in a way, I think, a, a very gentlemanly sport, in a way. And I don't know why I think that. Um, I, I think it's sort of like, uh, and it's it's funny when you think of like a mosh pit. Yeah. And you get knocked down. Yeah. Somebody helps you up. Right. Exactly. <laughs> sort of how it is in Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's sort of like. That's true. You know, so I mean, you're right though. I think it is a gentlemanly sport. There's a brotherhood of the players. Yeah. And, and it can be a very artistic sport. I mean, you look at a pretty goal like uh, the Penguins scored in the preseason game yeah. last night where it's just tic tac toe passes on the power play and Derek Broussard scored. It was uh, a thing of beauty. But at the same time, like you said, someone drops the mitts and it gets a little bit physical. Yeah. And, and there are ugly incidents. Uh, Robert Bortuzzo, a former sure. Penguin, just elbowed uh, Michael Kempney of the Washington Capitals the other night, and he's going to get a suspension for this, and the kid was knocked out and all this. Yeah. So, I mean, that ugliness is there, right. but but generally those players seem to have a, a decent level of respect for one another, yes. and I think because they all appreciate the hard work that went into getting where right. they are. Right, and I think that that's, that's the other thing that's always impressed me about, and, and of course there are, there are travel teams in baseball and softball, and there are, you know, there's, you know, football from the time a kid is little, and even wrestling from the time a kid is like eight years old, but it's really, if you're going to make it to the NHL, it's really a commitment. I mean, a lot of these kids, 
leave home, give up a yep. lot of their a lot of their of their life at home to go out and to play on AAU teams and to play on teams that um can get them, you know, either a college scholarship that will lead to the NHL or, you know, a, a ticket a ticket to the NHL. And I always thought that the commitment that had to that goes into becoming a professional hockey player also I think is 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 probably nearly unmatched. Well it's interesting to to your point is that it's a family commitment too. Yeah. Because Mom and dad, they're usually getting up at 5 a.m. or whatever to right. take their child to to practice because the ice time, I mean, I know it's a lot more common now, a lot more rinks available and things, but they that wasn't always the case. Yeah. And that's not the case in every city. So if you want to really do this, your parents are putting in that level of, of commitment. You're doing it before school. You're doing it after school. It's all these different just crazy things that you've got to give up, like you said. You right. don't have free time and you don't have time with your friends. I mean, that becomes your your job in a right. way at a very, very early age. And now with leagues in the United States, like the USHL, that's really grown. Right. And it's almost a, a, com a competitor with Canadian junior hockey. So where kids used to have to move to Canada, they now can at least move to a market in the States right. and play for that league. And what's kind of cool uh, is that you're not always just stuck uh, pinning your hopes on the NHL. If it doesn't work out, the USHL does a tremendous job of right. placing kids in college and making sure that they can either get into a team or just, if nothing else, earn themselves a scholarship so they have a um, an education for life after the game if they're not maybe at the level of making it to the National right. Hockey League. And I've actually, I worked in a city <clears throat> where there was a USHL team, and that was probably some of their, their prouder accomplishments. When they got a kid to college, when they got a kid into a school, um, you know, into either into a great hockey program or into a great school, with a decent hockey program. I mean, that's what they were most proud of. And, but I remember seeing these like 17 year old kids who would leave home and then they would, I, I can't remember if they would, you know, basically stay with someone else who was then now they're some of them, like now they're guardians and yeah. so forth just to play hockey. And it's, that's a huge commitment. And I think that that's always something that, that I've, uh, it's always been sort of the, the thing that I like most about hockey. I think is that the athletes really like, it's a different level of, it's a different level of commitment. It, it really is. And I think, you know, to go back to what we talked about at the beginning, that's partly why they have respect for their game. Yeah. And I think that they, they know what went into getting them there. Yeah. And, and it wasn't an easy thing. And also, I mean, a lot of high schools don't provide them with the equipment. Right. I mean, in some sports, you get everything. Like, yeah. if you're going to play, the, the school district provides that. Yeah. For hockey, I mean, you, you put in thousands of dollars for the equipment. Skates alone sometimes can be five $600 right. a pair for a very nice pair of skates. Sticks are so expensive now. So... People are like devoting all this money to it and they know their parents gave up things to make that a reality for them. And they, they, they seem to appreciate that. And I think just in dealing with national yeah. hockey league players and even players at lower levels and the, the draft picks are some of the most respectful young men I've ever come across right. because of that. And I think they know what went into it. And, uh, there's only been one or two guys that I've ever come across in the, in the league and dealing with it from a media capacity that, have not been uh, my favorites. <laughs> sure. Other than that, I mean, everybody's super cool. You, you They deal with the same dumb question day yeah, after yeah, day yeah. after day, and they'll give you a, a thoughtful answer. I mean, think of someone like Sid. Right. Sidney Crosby here in Pittsburgh. He meets with the media two and three times a day sometimes. Sure. And he will never, he's never rude. He might get a little short or something if he's angry about something, but he's never rude. He gives you a thoughtful answer. And sometimes people don't like that. They're like, he's too vanilla. He's not. <laughs> he gives you a thoughtful answer. Yeah. He looks you in the eye and that's the one thing that I think is so cool. This guy's the greatest player on the planet. And you ask him a question, he's looking at you, he gives you eye contact, he makes you feel like you're the only person in the room. And 
when you're that level and you have that level of respect for everyone around you and yeah. what it takes to be what, what he is, I think that's pretty commendable. Yeah. I mean, that he, that's a perfect, he's a perfect example. I mean, he came to the city. He lived with Mario Lemieux for I don't know yep. the exact. But it was it was quite a length of time that he lived with Mario Lemieux because he was he was literally Sid the kid when he came here. Uh-huh. You know? And so that just you know shows. And again, that's how you become the best in the world at something is by you know just putting the time and the effort and just the make like I said making those commitments is what is what allows you to hit. If you want to know how to hit that level, it's not a secret. Not a lot of people can do it or want to do it, but that that's how you do it. Is you just dedicate every single thing to it. Yeah, you put every ounce of yourself yeah. into it. I mean, and, and uh, another example would be when you talk about billet families and things. I mean, Evgeny Malkin, when he came, yeah. the, the Penguins had Sergei Gonchar, and um, he stayed with Sergei, and he was able to live a Russian life here in Pittsburgh yeah. with somebody that was a countryman and made him comfortable and Teams do that, though. They try and find those those areas of comfort for a player. And this is anywhere around the league. In junior hockey, they'll try and find maybe a Russian family or whatever. And I can take it all the way back. I went to high school with a guy that uh, his family spoke Czech in the home. Mm-hmm. And well, it was his uncle, actually. But they, they were the billet family for Yermer Yager when he came. Wow. And he lived with them for his first handful of years in the league. And I remember the guy I went to high school with. We were playing Nintendo with Yags last night and doing all of this. I mean, but it was, wow. he had this like very comfortable setting right here in Pittsburgh. Yeah. It was in the South Hills or whatever, and it, and it all worked out perfect for him. And that's what teams do to, to help foster the, the comfort level yeah. in a new city. And it, it's kind of cool to see that too. Now yourself, were, were you, I mean, when I started out in this business, I wanted to be a sports writer. Um, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to cover sports. Um, I didn't really have a preference on what I covered or whatever. So were you a, were you a, were you a, a hockey fan before you became uh, a hockey writer and hockey reporter or did, you know, did one sort of follow the other, I guess? Um, for me, I, I probably didn't know I was going to be covering the Penguins whenever I became a hockey fan because I became a hockey fan at eight or nine years old. Sure. And that was due in large part to my dad being a big hockey fan. He used to play, uh, I just. After he passed away, I found a really cool picture of him with a buddy up on a frozen lake in Highland Park wow. with like gloves and sticks, and they're like set up for a face-off. It was like one of the coolest things I'd ever found. But my dad was into hockey, so he got me into hockey. And then, of course, we had the best salesman for hockey on the planet, Mario Lemieux, arriving in Pittsburgh right around that time. Sure. Because uh, I want to say I went to my first game in 1983. So that would have been right before Mario and then the 84. And I don't really remember that game as much. I know it was against the Chicago Blackhawks. But then the next year, Mario was here. And, I mean, this guy was just magic. Yeah. I mean, he could do anything on the ice. And still to this day, I mean, it's I've been around Mario. I've never really had the chance to meet him. Yeah. I've been on elevators with him. I've worked essentially for his company now for a yeah. number of years. And uh, he's one guy I get tongue-tied around. And I'm, I'm sure yeah. already people listening or watching here might say, well, Matt, you never get tongue-tied. You talk way too much. Right. Not if Mario's standing there. <laughs> this guy is larger than life, and uh, I, I've i always felt that way about him. Yeah. And he's just such a humanitarian. Look at what he did after. Just kept you in love with like him and his product and what he's done for hockey. So that's been kind of a cool thing. So I followed it all the way up through my formative years. They yeah. won those cups in the early 90s. That was something that was this culmination of being a fan at that point for me for already like 10 years yeah. or so. And um, then after the lockout in 2005, right before Sidney Crosby got here, it was 04 uh, when that happened and into the 05 season when Sid was going to actually make his 
appearance in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. I just at that point thought, okay, now's my chance I can get into this because I always was interested yeah. in doing that. And I worked in business and did all these other kinds sure. of things. And I worked for a nonprofit in Sharpsburg at the time. I yeah. still do. And I saw an opening. And so I started doing some blogging and I started making some contacts and um, I was always interested in it. And I always was doing writing and wanted to get into radio stuff. Yeah. So it's kind of cool that after that, Sadly, a lot of people lost jobs, but it produced some openings, and then the new media trend started and all right. this, and I started doing work for XM Radio, and uh, that was one of my first forays into the business, and I was covering games on a, a credential for them. I did some writing for HockeyBuzz.com, which is still around now, and yeah. Eklund over there, who was the anonymous hockey blogger and <laughs> right. all this kind of thing, but uh, I was doing radio hits for XM, and yeah. next thing you know, m- meeting people in Pittsburgh, I started writing for the Beaver County Times. Versus.com, which is the predecessor to the NBC Sports Network mm-hmm, now. Sure. So I, I was just sort of freelancing a lot of different places and, and just blowing doors open and meeting people and, and sort of expanding the footprint and all the way to the uh, to today where we have, here's, we got to get this on. The, yeah, yeah the <laughs> Pittsburgh current hockey issue, which we will start finally talking about. Um, <laughs> but Wait, I want, we can't leave that out. Yeah, right? no, no. We'll, we'll talk about it. But the one thing I want to ask you is because you mentioned, you said this earlier and I wanted to. Um, you, you meant, and a lot of people said it, I've said it, a lot of people have said it, that Sidney Crosby is the best hockey player playing today. Now, there are people obviously that would say that that's arguably true, but, but you said it with such emphasis. Do you, what, is, is there a debate in your mind on whether or not Sidney Crosby is the greatest hockey, the greatest hockey player playing right now? You can make the case that because everybody around the league is going to say, well, Connor McDavid, Connor McDavid. Yeah. And now Connor is an outstanding ta- talent. I mean, he scores points like crazy. I mean, he can score goals. He can pass like a magician. I mean, he does everything well. And the thing that really people love with him is the speed with which he plays the game. Yeah. And he's big. He's bigger than Sid. I mean, and when you have size and you can do it at a fast pace, he can stick handle in a phone booth. I mean, this guy can do anything. So people have fallen in love with him, rightly so. Yeah. But for me, you look at the success of the Edmonton Oilers, it's just not there. And it's to the point where his entry-level deal is over. He's been there now a handful of years. By this point in Sid's career, he was not only having individual success, but he was helping his team to the playoffs. Right. And they were up, they're in the playoffs every single season since he's been there. And they've now won three Stanley Cups with Sidney Crosby. So until Connor does that, for me... Sid's still the guy. Now, that's not me saying that that's the only reason. Sid, to me, is the better team guy. He makes everyone around him better. He works harder than everybody on the team, probably anybody in the league. He's one of those first guys on the ice, the last guy off the ice. When he sees something in his game that doesn't meet his standards or isn't up to snuff around the league with some of his peers, he works on it. You can look at his face-off prowess a few years ago. It was a, a facet of his game that just wasn't where it should be. Well, he worked all summer on face-offs yes. just so he could become a better face-off guy. Now he's among the best in the league at doing that. Um, he has had seasons where he scored 40 goals. He's had seasons where he's not scored 40, and he's been more of a setup man or maybe more focused on defense, doing whatever the team right. needed. So for me, when you look at the complete package, because generally he's not the biggest guy. I mean, he's not even six foot tall. Right. Sidney Crosby, I think, is five foot eleven. Uh, his lower body is like a horse, though. So, I mean, this guy is strong. He can do whatever you need him to do. You can't knock him off the puck. He's tenacious. He goes hard to the net, sometimes to his own detriment. And I think he got away from doing that a little bit after his head injuries. 
but he's sort of back to playing in and around the goal again. I think he's feeling comfortable with himself. And for me, you can't sleep on Sidney Crosby. I still believe he is uh, the best player in the league. A lot of his peers still feel that way. Right. Connor will get all the the shock and awe and the flash sure. and bang and all this points. But Sidney Crosby, for my money, at least for the next couple of years, till I see something different, is right. going to get my vote. And I even, even last year, I got to tell you this, Charlie, I had a chance uh, probably five times I voted for league awards um, as a member of the PHWA in Pittsburgh. And Sidney Crosby, even as far as last year, still got an MVP vote for me. That's amazing. <clears throat> and I think that one thing you said is I think that the team success is the reason that I think we were finally able to – I mean, nobody really nobody really, realistically, I think, talks about the Crosby-Ovechkin debate anymore. I don't really think it's a debate, and I think that's because – of the success that Crosby's been able to have as a teammate and as, yep. as a member of the Penguins. And I mean, Ovechkin, Ovechkin finally got his cup. And, and I think when it happened last year, it was kind of like, good, now shut up, shut up with your <laughs> cup, now shut up. And you know, you know, but, but I think that that's, I mean, I've always, and again, it's, you have to take it with a grain of salt because of course we're hometown guys, but yeah. you know, it's still, I've, I've always felt that Crosby was the better player. Um, but I think that with the success he's had bringing cups, actually winning in the playoffs, is what is what I think sort of is why you don't really hear that debate anymore. And am I wrong? I mean, is that the you think that debate's pretty much at this point uh, <clears throat> unless I, you're actually in Washington? Yeah, I mean, I, they try to keep sure. that alive, of course. And and last year, even after they won and they finally got over the Penguins' hump, which yeah. they've only done twice ever, right? Um, they had the they needed to put out stories and and do all these things that still tried to say it's our time now, Penguins. We finally got past you, Penguins. And that was, I think, the biggest problem with them was they always just wanted to beat the Penguins. Right. You you can't focus on beating one team. You've right. got to focus on winning Stanley Cups. To the Penguins, the Caps are just another bump in the road. Right. And they almost always get over it. Right. And they did it, you know, two years ago, whenever the Caps should have rightly so beaten them. I mean, they had a lead in the series. The Penguins reel off a couple of wins. When they won game six in Pittsburgh uh, two years ago, before the Penguins went into Washington and took game seven, there were people, ushers and things that we know, saying you could hear the party coming out of the visiting locker room because they thought they had that series wrapped up. Yeah. And then Mark Henry Fleury shuts them out. Right. They they get the two. It was I believe a two nothing win in Game Seven. It was awesome. But anyways, uh, the Alex Ovechkin Sid thing is always going to be there to a certain extent because of the time they came into right. the league at, at the same season, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Even though Ovi's a little older, he should have been in the league right. the year before, if not for that lockout. Right. But. Um, his individual success is always going to be his thing. He was the best goal scorer of his generation. He still is. He's he's unbelievable. But Sid's team success, along with the individual yeah. accolades, I mean, to me, there's no, there's no, there's just no debate. I mean, yeah. Sidney Crosby, Alex is the best goal scorer probably, but Sid is the best player in that conversation. Yeah. And um, I know we didn't get to use them all in the issue, but some of the numbers that we had pulled that we thought about using, right. you can see Sid's numbers how they stack up. Right. I mean. Since he came into the league, he has far more points than Ovi. He's played far less games. Right. And that alone tells you what's up because it's not only individual talent, it is the team success. They've won those cups and they've beaten Washington along the way in each of those three Stanley right. Cup runs. Right. So exactly. That, that, yeah. that alone hammers it for me. Right. Um, one more thing on Crosby and then we'll, we'll, we'll move on to more, uh, to more, uh, go deeper into the preview. Sure. Um, do you have a worry at all of, I mean, Sid has had some significant injuries. Oh, yeah. Um, the head injuries um, being, I think, the most recent, but he's, he's had some pretty serious injuries. Do you think that that's going to end up potentially um, at some point taking its toll on him as far as maybe shortening his career or or 
making him obviously a head injury, especially once you've had one or two. I mean, it's yeah, it's you're really at a risk to have a repeat injury on that. What do you what do you think about Sid's 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 injury and the kind of effect that they're going to have on this season, but also um, the remainder of his career? I, if you'd asked me this question probably right before they won those two Stanley Cups, yeah. I would have said, "Well, boy, I'm not going to be shocked if Sid suddenly ups and retires one of these days," right. because I feel like he was worried about the future a little bit, sure. and those the the concussion things just kept popping up. I mean, when he lost essentially two years of his career because of it. That was a very scary time for Penguins fans, for him, his family, I'm sure. But he seems to have gotten past it now, and I, I think because they took the time to get it healed correctly. Right. They also found the neck issue that he was dealing with, and they worked that out. There was a soft tissue issue that he had and all these things, and he used some chiropractic. He used all the concussion specialists. I mean, they did vestibular therapy, all these things to essentially rebuild that aspect of him. Right. And it's amazing what they can do and not – any two of these injuries are ever the same, you know sure. what I mean? So they had to specialize it to Sid. He came through it, and you look at him now, he doesn't seem to have any ill effects of it. And, I mean, overall, when you see these kinds of injuries in the National Hockey League, it's a scary thing. Right. And their management and uh, the leadership of the league still doesn't acknowledge that their game contributes to head injuries, right. which is kind of sickening. Um, and that's something I think will eventually happen. Yeah. But when you're face of your league was dealing with a very high profile concussion situation caused by your game. You would think they would have embraced it more then and they didn't. So I don't, I don't, I'm not shocked that they're not embracing it now and trying to say that, yes, we're causing problems for a lot of these guys. But for Sid, I, I don't know that his career is going to be shortened at any, uh, to any extent now because of it. Cause he seems like they, they healed him the right way. And he seems like he's back to 100%. He may not be what he was before those injuries in terms of his game, but he's still very close to it, right. and he's still dynamic. And I, and I feel like he's one of those guys that with the way he takes care of his, himself and takes care of his body, uh, I doubt there's fries in Sidney Crosby's diet right. or anything like that. He's one of those right. guys. You know, it's like, no, no, no. I mean, they used to joke that Mario, you could tell when it was the season was coming because he would not order fries with his club sandwich or he would switch to veggie lasagna. Uh, but, but for Sid, I don't know that he has any right. of that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, this guy's probably like eating um, – sprouts on, right. on like a, I don't even know right now, but sprouts uh, on lettuce. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Lettuce wrap with sprouts. Yeah, lettuce wrap with sprouts. But he, uh, he takes such great care of himself that he could probably play into his forties. I mean, he's just that yeah. kind of guy. So I, I, I think Sid's going to definitely finish his contract, which now carries him into the twenties, uh, yeah. uh, the 2020s, mm -hmm. which is kind of crazy when you think, I mean, he's been here now yeah. already 13 years. This is, I believe his 13th season. And that's just wild to put your head around. Um, and I wouldn't be shocked to see him play 20 years in the league. Absolutely. Um, so what are you seeing? Um, this is the Pittsburgh Current podcast, by the way. And we are talking with Brian Metzer, Pittsburgh Current hockey writer, as well as a host on the Penguins Radio Network. You can pick up your new copy of the Pittsburgh Current this week. It is our Penguins preview. Got it. Yeah, I always miss that camera a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I hold it up to the other screen like a fool. That's what I was oh, doing. And then it's like... <laughs> TVs yeah, have we cameras have in them. And then we have our other screen, yeah. <laughs> Everybody see this? <laughs> um, follow us on the socials at, at Pittsburgh, at PGH Current. Sorg's looking at me. I know we had a mistake last week, folks, but... When you've been somewhere for 15 years, it's tough to get that out of the brain. That's for sure. Did you say the other one? I did. And <laughs> luckily, my man, we call, somebody heard it at the office. I, we didn't notice it here in the room. At least, I, well, at least we didn't know 
I didn't notice it in the room. I'll say that. Oh. And then we got back and we called down. It's like, can you fix that? And so Sorg was awesome enough to pull that down, fix it, and but put it, it back up. it went out live, though. Oh, it went out live. Yeah. Yeah, you know. We'll do it live. Do you mind now. if I drop my Twitter handle? Please do, Brian. It's at Brian, B-R-I-A-N, underscore Metzer, M-E-T-Z-E-R. So please uh, check me out for not only hockey coverage, Black Metal Cats. Yes, and I was, I was gonna, I was gonna. If we had time at the end, I was gonna talk, maybe talk a little music with Brian. That's Metzer fine. Yeah, we can get that. Also, I just always like to drop the yeah. Black Metal Cats. They're, they're my favorite. They're, they're these awesome, just like evil looking cat photos. Yeah. They're just like walking on like a, a wintry scene, mm -hmm. and then it has some like awesome sayings such as like "I'm gonna crush humanity," but it's a cool cat <laughs> picture. That's great. That's great. <laughs> I'm more of a cat acting like humans type of a guy. Oh, I love I, I, personified I animal, Charlie. I can't you got me. You, you personified. Suck. I never knew that, that was. I just, but you. I swear to God, if there was a picture of a cat sitting like a human, I, I'd be gone. I'd be done. Any I, animal I sitting like a human for me. Or I guess it just have to be cats? for me. It's cats, okay. and I don't know why. Because I think because cats always thinking something. And you just, I see them pondering, I think. And so I... <laughs> well, they are like such an intelligent animal. Exactly. Exactly. They probably could kill us all in our sleep. They actually could be running this podcast, <laughs> if I'm being completely honest. Matter of fact, we might just be human skin that cats are wearing, and they yes. are doing this podcast. That may be. That may be. I'm actually, I'm actually 300 cats in a Charlie suit. <laughs> Let's talk hockey, Brian Metzer. <laughs> Let's do it. Um... So what are you seeing as uh, the, the, the preseason is now underway? Um, it's almost over. Yeah, right. It exactly. It's yeah, it's 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 really a quick. Like, I feel like the season lasts for, um, you know, 300 straight months. But the preseason really like it really drags by or I'm not dragging. I'm sorry. It really flies by. It went fast this year. Um, what are you seeing early on that uh, that makes you heartened for the Penguin success this season? Uh, first off, and I talked with Phil Bork about this on our broadcast last night, uh, the depth. Yeah, it, it is um, a team that last season when they came into the season, they didn't have a third line center mm -hmm. or a fourth line center for that matter. I mean, you were just looking at them because they had lost Matt Cullen. They lost Nick Benino. They essentially lost uh, Chris Kunitz, too, who was a valuable member of the bottom right. six. Uh, so guys just were gone. Trevor Daly was gone. Um, they ended up losing Ian Cole midseason. But right now, when you look at them, they come in. They have six centers on their roster, so Jim Rutherford wasn't going to let that happen again like he did last year. So you have Sid and Gino down the middle, up top on the top two lines. You have Derek Broussard here now, who he acquired at the trade deadline, and he's going to be their third-line center probably. They were going to experiment with him on the left wing, but that hasn't happened as of yet. I, I don't know if we will end up seeing it at some point. We probably will. But um, he, he's there on the third line. And then Riley Shea, who they acquired early last season, right. he slotted in last night on the fourth line with Matt Cullen, who's back on his left wing. And on the right, they tried Daniel Sprong, but they have a guy named Derek Grant, who they acquired uh, as a free agent this year. He scored 12 goals for the Anaheim Ducks last year. And Borky and I were discussing this. I think he can end up playing on the right wing of that fourth line. So suddenly, you went from having a fourth line last year to start the season that couldn't chip in offensively. Right. They, they weren't very good defensively. They didn't do a whole lot well. You had, uh, I believe it was uh, Greg McKegg, I think is his name. Uh, but it was McKegg for sure is his last name. I, I yeah. might be messing up his first name now. And this tells you how nondescript the right. fourth line was. And I feel bad because right. he was a, a try-hard guy. Mm -hmm. He played in Wilkes-Barre-Scranton uh, after the early stages of the season. And, but that he was not an NHL caliber all the time, full-time fourth-line center. Now they have that. They have multiple options because if Shane for some reason will get hurt or he can't, someone else gets hurt, he can slide up and play third line. Matt Cullen can slide to the middle. Derek Grant can play center. He can play the wing. 
and you have guys on that fourth line all capable of taking faceoffs, all capable of scoring some goals. Matt Cullen scored, uh, he has two goals in the preseason now, I believe it was his fourth point he picked up last night. So uh, we know what he brings to the table, even though he's, I always look at it this way, hockey players always all used to be younger than all of us, you know, and right. all the pro athletes, they were, they were, well, they were all older than us. Now we're all older than the players, except for Matt Cullen, right. because he right. could be like, that's why they call him dad and all this, which I hate. I know I get, <laughs> I, I give that a lot of crap online, but Matt Cullen, I mean, he's post 40 right? and he's still out there. He's in fine shape. I mean, this guy's like a, a finely tuned machine. Yeah. And I think that gives them another dynamic, just having him back with those other two guys I just mentioned. Why does that bother you so much, the the, the, the dad nickname? Well, because, first of all, I ref I am older than Matt Cullen, by the way. <laughs> and I refuse to call anybody who's younger than me dad, <laughs> first of all. Well, you but, certainly shouldn't call him no, dad. I think that doesn't make yeah, sense. Yeah, I just, but I, it's fine if they want to do it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of, some of my colleagues in Pittsburgh media took it a little far. Got you. And they would be doing radio hits, and their dad this, and dad that, yeah. and dad's back, and let's hug dad. And boy, the smiles <laughs> on the room were huge when dad walked in. It just yeah, drives no, me I crazy. Stupid things like that drive yeah. me crazy. And I don't know why. And people would say, Mitch, you've lost your fandom. Well, yeah, probably. You have to. I mean, <laughs> even when you have it, I mean, even as big a fan as you, as you are, and especially what, as you were, I mean... When when we're when we're working when we're covering sports, you have to drop that. I mean, yep. it's not a it's not a request. And I there's mean, no cheering there's, in the yeah, press there's box. There's no there's no cheering <laughs> in the press box. That should be the shirt you're wearing. There's no cheering in the press box. But it is true. I mean, and it's it's um, you know, it's it's a thing where you definitely have to. And it's some one of the hardest things um is to try and separate yourself, the fan, from yeah. the journalist. And it's yep. it's tough to do. But I, I I see what you're saying. That that is it's sort of a thing for his teammates to call him. It's a sort of thing for the fans, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely weird to like, it's not like you're, you're, you're talking to John Wayner and you're calling him rock. Hey rock or this rock. Yeah. It's, it's dad. It's a little, it's a little strange. Yeah. My dad know? died. No seven. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so I, I can't do it. And people beat me up about it, but yeah. I beat them up about it. And I feel bad because some of my, my media cronies, I, I've, taking shots at them right. for it and then they get mad at me and then we work it out. But it all happens. Figure if our biggest fight happens over the fact that I don't like you calling a guy dad, <laughs> I think we're doing just fine. Exactly. <laughs> the depth uh, is this, is that is when is, I left out the blue line. Depth. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. yeah I mean, go ahead. Cause that was the other thing you, you have now probably eight defensemen capable of playing in the, in the right. national hockey league because you have your, your top six. I mean, Jack Johnson was signed. He'll be here mm -hmm. now. But they have this kid, Yuso Ricola, who has played every preseason game. He came out of the Finnish Elite League. He chose the Penguins. And I think because he either, and not like they could even make a promise, they had the slots filled, but he felt like there was a path to the NHL here. And he looks the part. I mean, yeah. every single thing he does, he moves the puck well. He's not the biggest guy, but he uses his size well. He looks like an NHL caliber defenseman. He's got a big, booming slap shot from the point. He scored a goal with it early in the preseason. You still have Chad Ruedel available. Yeah. You still have a couple other guys down in Wilkes who came up and played some spot duty last year. So when you look at your top six and you got Ricola and Ruedel available, they may have to make a decision because Chad Ruedel's on a one-way deal. You, you're going to he's not going to make through waivers. You don't want to also pay him to play in the minor leagues. Right. So you're going to have two guys sitting. I don't know what they're going to do, but uh, right now the top six looks pretty solid uh, with NHL one-way contract guys. So, I mean, Mike Sullivan, if nothing else, has options in the forward ranks with the guys we mentioned and uh, options on the blue line with some of those extras available to him. <clears throat> is, is last year in the playoffs, is it is it depth that you think sort of cost the Penguins down the line. Is that what you think in particularly, I would think blue line depth obviously was 
has been an issue in the past, yeah, certainly, yeah. too. Yeah. I, I think depth was a huge reason. I mean, because just the names we mentioned quickly in passing, I mean, you lost Chris Kunitz, you lost Trevor Daly, you lost Nick Benino, you lost Matt Cullen. Uh, those were guys that were all pretty valuable contributors to your Stanley Cup runs the, pr yeah. the two prior years. And then you ended up trading Ian Cole. Yes, they brought in Jamie Alexiak, but at the same time, the blue line wasn't quite where it was. And I know people would say, hey, they won without Chris Letang the year before, but the depth guys were there. You still had guys like Trevor Daly, and you still had guys like uh, Ian Cole on the team that could <clears throat> shoulder bigger minutes potentially for you. So you got into a situation last year where it almost looked like the Penguins of maybe the 2012 season, the 2013 season, where I know they ended up acquiring some guys, but they got to be awfully top-heavy in terms of scoring, and that's what it was. Sidney Crosby of Genny Malkin had to carry a big load. Phil Kessel had to carry a big load. Jake Gensel did as right. well, but when you shut down those top two lines, they weren't getting any productivity from the third and fourth line in the playoffs specifically, yeah. and without secondary scoring in the playoffs, you, you just weren't as formidable an opponent. And also, with the blue line not being where it needed to be, Matt Murray faced far more grade-A right. opportunities. I mean, this guy was dealing with odd man breaks like crazy, dealing with breakaways. Look at the way they lost the game in overtime against the Washington Capitals. Yep. It was a turnover in the neutral zone. Evgeny Kuznetsov comes in on a breakaway. And yes, you still wish Matt Murray could have made that save, but it was a, a grade-A chance in overtime, transition play. Penguins were burned by it from probably... <clears throat> Uh, the first time I really recalled it becoming a, a big issue was in a Rangers game, probably three quarters away through the season. They had these speedy forwards that just decimated the yeah. Penguins in the neutral zone. Chip plays, catching their defensemen flat-footed and going on odd man breaks, and they end up scoring like six goals against the Penguins in the game. And I think that gave a blueprint to a lot of teams, and that's how the Penguins right. were eliminated because Washington did it to them like crazy. That's how they came back in games when they were down. That's how they ultimately end up winning that series. Before we talk about... Matt Murray, which we will talk about in a, in a moment. How how set are these lines at this point, or, or where do you think the lines that we're seeing now? I mean, how 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 set are these lines going into the season? Um, I, how much how many changes do you see? Any major changes coming as they? You know what? I, I don't know that we're going to see made a ton of major changes based on what we saw last night mm -hmm. because that came together pretty good. And I that's the only note I brought because I wanted to make sure you had these these because <laughs> uh, it's all up here. But I wanted the uh, I wanted the the line combos, and so what they did last night, and this was probably as close to an NHL lineup as they've iced in the preseason. It was Jake Gensel, Sidney Crosby, and Patrick Hornquist back on the right wing, which I love him there. But for whatever reason, it doesn't ever stick. Mike Sullivan moves him, and some people will say he and Sid don't always want to play together, sure. or Sid doesn't want to play with him for some reason. That works like magic, though. Yeah. They always score, so they were back together last night. And uh, I believe we talked about this in the preview about these guys being possibly interchangeable on the Geno line, but they had Carl Haglin on the left wing with Geno and Phil Kessel last night, which Haggy brings a little bit of defensive prowess. He brings a little bit of speed. He can get pucks freed up for those two guys. Phil scored two goals last night on the line with him. Uh, the intriguing line, though, was the third one with Derek Broussard, Dominic Simone, and Brian Rust. And Rusty is the guy that is just like a, a chameleon. He can blend in anywhere in your lineup. So expect to see him moving up and down. But I like that that look last night. It was a pretty good line. And then the fourth line is the one we talked about a moment ago, Colin Shane and, and uh, Daniel Sprong. I don't know that Daniel Sprong is the guy that's going to stick there because he just, he, first of all, he started the season or the preseason with Sidney Crosby, mm -hmm. played there exclusively through the scrimmages, first couple preseason games. Um, and he, I don't know that he's done enough with that. I mean, he, he not looked out of place by any means, but he's not really been eye-catching. Right. I mean, you want this guy's dynamic offensive player. You want him to go out there. You're playing with 
Sidney Crosby, we just talked about what Sid brings. Yeah. You should be able to produce. He didn't score with him. Um, and I just think Derek Grant's sitting there waiting in the wings to take Sprong's spot on that fourth line. I know Mike Sullivan elevated him late last night and tried to get a little more offense mm-hmm. going with that top line. Uh, he put him back with Sid. It still didn't really j- uh, sure. jive for me. So I, I think Sprong could potentially find himself as the odd man out again here. Not guaranteed. I know they made a promise he'd be in the league this year. But right now, I think your fourth line and your lineup as a whole might be better with Grant sliding in. But I think those lines that we just went through will probably be pretty close to what we'll see whenever the puck drops on the season uh, next Thursday. Great. We are talking to Brain Metzler. (laughs) That's Metzger. uh, Metzger. Sorry, Metzger. (laughs) We are talking to Brian Metzler, the uh, host of of, uh, Penguins Radio Network and the new... um, the new hockey writer for the Pittsburgh Current, and we're very excited to have him on board. We have our pens preview in uh, find it in boxes in our retail outlets, and you can of course find it online at pittsburghcurrent.com. You can find us on social media at at pgh current. <laughs> it's going to happen again, I think. Um, Don't and do it, follow Brian on social. Yeah, it's. Uh, I was looking. My phone was blowing up. I had to see what was happening here. People the, wanted to get in. This is a very uh, popular podcast. But it's uh, at Brian underscore Metzer <laughs> is where you can find me. I'm on Facebook as well and Instagram and all that stuff. I think we have upwards of seven to eight people at any given moment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited. I don't know. That. Maybe can we break double digits? Today? Let's see. Let's get eleven. <laughs> We're looking for eleven. I feel like it's a telethon now. Let's get eleven. Um, <laughs> let's talk about Matt Murray, um, and then we'll 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 talk about uh, some bold predictions that you made. On the way out, but but so Matt Murray obviously is another. I don't know. I see it as a, see him as a question mark um, coming into the season. Maybe some don't, but you know, I mean, there was basically a future of the of the Pens was was put on his shoulders last year um, when they decided to to when they chose him over Flurry, and um, you know, it wasn't what I would call a great season for Matt Murray, but. How do you assess his season last year, and how do you see um, how, what kind of year do you see him having now? Well, for me, Matt Murray last year, I felt bad for him because we came into the season and everybody anticipated this this huge showing for him. Because sure. I mean, he probably, I guess, the best way to describe it was he was the closest thing that we thought we were going to have in Pittsburgh to a guy that would contend for a Vesna Trophy because he seemed like he could have the sub two goals against. He seemed like he could have the 950 save percentage mm-hmm. or the 930 save percentage, all this kind of thing. Well, last year, when you stir in the defensive woes we just talked about, I think that affected him more than anything because he uh, had to deal with more shots. He had to deal with more quality shots because there'd be games where the Penguins only give up 22 shots or something, right. but we could say 10 of them were like these odd man breaks where any goaltender would have suffered. And here's my hot take, and people may not like this. Penguins would have lost the Washington Capitals last year with Marc-Andre Fleury in there. Because he would have dealt with the same thing. Right. And, and Mark, was, uh, a, he was very much aided, I think, by the way Vegas plays hockey. Right. He had an outstanding season. I love the flower. I'm not taking anything away from him because he did his part. But they made his life a little easier than the Penguins because the Penguins just play a different style. They are run and gun. They're on the go offensively. And they still did that when their defense wasn't there to cover up. Yeah. And then the goalie just wasn't able to get the job done either. So Matt Murray had the worst stats of his career last year. Um, he had his father pass away mid season. He had, um, a concussion 
that really derailed his season right when he was starting to round into form. Sure. I felt like he was looking like himself, yeah. and then this concussion happened, and that and that messed him up. So um, this year, I, I, and some of the quotes we used in a uh, graphic you have in the physical copy of the Pittsburgh current hockey issue is, but were very telling for me. He talked about watching tape of himself right. and not liking what he saw and feeling like he had to work on his overall game and become a, uh, just a more well-rounded goaltender overall. Um, he worked on his conditioning. He worked on the glove. I mean, he worked on all these things because people beat up his glove hand a lot. He does let up some goals there. He's not immune to that. He knows right. it happens. Um, but I, I feel like he is in a little bit of an odd bird, and that's a good thing. He doesn't let these things get to him. He, he, um, he lets the... He just wants to face the next shot after every goal he lets up. It doesn't matter if it's a bad goal or whatever. He bounces right back. He's ready for action. He in I think this year he's going to come in. He's got a good head on his shoulders. He looked pretty darn good in that last yeah. night. Now, the last preseason game he played, he did a couple out-of-character things because he's a big kid. Um, he, he's, you know, if I stand next to him, I'm like maybe at his shoulder. And I'm five eight nine on a good day. Um, <laughs> he's a he's a really tall guy. Covers a lot of net. I know he's a string bean, but with his equipment on, he can he can eat up a lot of net. Well, we were noticing this two games ago. He was getting sort of low and giving the top of the net away. And I don't know if he's trying to work on something in his game. Right. And uh, that hurt him. Someone scored a goal against him. It was Oliver Bjorkstrand of the Columbus Blue Jackets scored a goal. Everyone thought he roofed it in the net. And in the meantime, he didn't. He really just put it low on Matt Murray and he should have been able to get it because sure. he's so big yeah. and he was just so low that he wasn't taking away the middle of the net. He didn't do that last night. Right. So I think he was just working on something maybe. And, uh, cause what they do to these goaltenders and they did this to Mark Andre Fleury a few years ago when Mike Bales was here and he's not with the team anymore, but they got Fleury to play a little lower cause he used to stand upright and use his athleticism and dive around and do all this crap. Well, Mark, they wanted him to get down in more of like a, a crab like pose in the mm -hmm. net because you can sort of see through legs and see through traffic a little bit more. And that, that worked for him. He didn't have to be as athletic. He would if he needed to, but he was able to play the angles better that way. You could read and react better. You could follow plays better. And I wonder if they're doing something similar with Matt Murray a little bit, telling him to get a little lower in his net and try and look through traffic. But you can't overcompensate to do that. You right. don't want to take away the things you do well. But I, I think he's in store for a um, – I keep kicking my mic. I think he's in store for a um, – a pretty good bounce back season. Uh, he, he, he has a good head on his shoulders. He's ready for, um, for action. And, and I'm excited to see that. Do you think that, that, that Murray's always going to have sort of these, I, I, well, I think, I think he will always have these comparisons to Mark Andre Fleury. How fair do you think that is? I mean, um, you know, I mean, Flurry was not immune to criticism. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, fans were oh, yeah. always quick. Merciless. To, they loved him when yeah. he was gone. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. He he had uh, he had a I mean people love Mark Andre Fleury. Sure. Who doesn't? I mean he's still one of my favorite players I've yeah. ever covered. Um, he was easy to root for. He was a, a just a human. It's just such a good guy. Yeah. Um, I often like to say that my my cousin developed a relationship with him because he works for a car dealership in the city, and he remembered his kid's birthday. Wow! And like sent him gifts and things. That's I mean amazing. he's that kind yeah. of guy. And uh, but he. Mark Andre Fleury, before his career is over, he very well could be a Hall of Fame goaltender. Yeah, he's going to finish in the top five and wins. He his other numbers might not be as eye popping, but he's going to have three Stanley Cups on his roster on his resume. He may end up with yeah. another one with Vegas. They look pretty pretty darn they good. Did. And um, it, it was hard to have him go. I mean, it was a business decision. Penguins had to do it just based on the contracts. If you want to have the type of team that they have built, where you're just paying up to the ceiling of the salary cap yeah. every year. That and you knew Matt Murray was here, 
it was a decision you had to make. Sure. And with the expansion draft looming, Matt Murray would have been taken. And you can't give up a 20-year or 22-year-old kid right. in an expansion draft. You, right. you just cannot, specifically one that won two cups for you. Right. So that's, for me, the bottom line was, as hard as that was, it, it was a decision they had to make. People really, after the fact, when you stir in Murray's sort of dip, they they didn't want to see the flower go. Yeah. So they they were like, yeah, he stinks, and they should have yeah. kept Mark. And yeah, if there, if there was no salary cap, for sure, that's right. what you needed to do. But you you had a salary cap, and you had to make a very tough business decision. And I'm glad Mark found some success. But he was not loved by any means during his tenure no. in the Penguins net. People were merciless, specifically right. people around the league. I still have fights with my good buddy uh, Boomer Gordon on SiriusXM yeah. because he brings up Fleury, and he still says the Penguins would have won more Stanley Cups if not for Marc-Andre Fleury. He, he, even though Mark only had two bad playoff runs in yeah. my view, he was really good all the other ones. Because I, I feel like years after the debacle against the Flyers in 12 and uh, a couple other dips, he was the Penguins' best player against the Rangers when they got eliminated the next season. And, and just he, he was one of the best things they had going. That 13 year, he was not his best either. That's when Vokun had to come in for him. But generally, I've always been impressed by his ability to help this team win games, and uh, he he'll always have that. And yeah. he's you know, it's it's a shame he didn't maybe contribute more to those cup runs in terms of winning the actual final sure. game. Right, but right. he but he still was a big part of the right. success. And I I kind of like where he is in Vegas for him personally <laughs> because you know here he was always sharing the limelight with Sid yep. and Gino. There, I was in. I was in Vegas last year, around right before Christmas, and that's that's for that's Flurry City out there. I mean, it is just there are banners everywhere. They're selling his merch everywhere. I mean, he is the man in Vegas, and it, it's <laughs> it's it's really cool. Um, He's an ambassador cool for, for them. He I is, mean, yeah. And it's it's yeah to have a to have a player like that on your the first year of your expansion team, and then of course you go to the finals. Obviously, you're you're setting Can you yourself imagine that play? I mean, no. that that was just probably so awesome. Yeah, to be a fan of that. I mean, you're yeah. just trying to maybe some people trying to learn the game. I know there's a lot of transplants, but yeah, to have this kid come in. I mean, the day after the expansion draft, he was already in Vegas playing street hockey with yeah. kids and right. like selling the game. Yeah, that, that's awesome. He's just yeah. that speaks to the the guy he is. Let's talk two things. Let's yeah. talk. Predictions. Let's talk real okay. predictions, and then let's talk bold predictions. Okay. What realistically do you do? You what kind of finish do you see this team? What kind of success do you see this team having this year? Um, they got to stay healthy. Yeah, that's the the biggest key for me. And you need to bounce back from Chris Letang and Matt Murray. If you get that, and everybody else does what they are capable of doing, um, and it doesn't even have to be a bold prediction. Like I know I made a couple. Sure. Here. If they just go out and be themselves, and you know Sid and Gino combined for close to 200 points where maybe they're putting up 80, 90 points a piece. You're going to have this team be a formidable foe in the Eastern conference. I feel like a lot of teams in the East might've stayed the same and, or took a little bit of a step back. Uh, it seems to be wide open in seasons when it's wide open, the penguins tend to rise to the top of that. They just find ways. And, uh, I, I believe that they're a team that, that could make another run at the Stanley cup this season and losing last year, the way they did might've benefited yeah. them more than anything because they got to sort of lick wounds they got to recharge the battery a little bit. And that was another thing Matt Murray talked about um, right when camp started. It wasn't so much fatigue for bodies. Because he goes, our bodies can deal with anything. I mean, we're finely tuned athletes. We all work out hard. We can do tough workouts. They can handle it. It's the mental fatigue that comes with those playoff runs that they had where, you know, you, you, you played over 300 hockey games in the last three seasons. I mean, that was crazy to think that they played that much hockey. And when you stir in the World Cup a couple years ago, and you stir in all of that, um, I think they're really they're 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 healthy. They're primed to make another run at this, and and I I wouldn't be shocked 
I mean, they'll definitely make the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, they already look like that kind of team. And if they can tighten up defensively and score the way they're capable, I mean, I don't know that there's a team that can beat them. And I said this last year and Washington ended up doing it, but they always have that look still under Mike Sullivan as a team that can't be beat in a seven game series. Right. How do you beat them four times I was in seven say games? The exact same thing. I, yep. I just don't think it's possible. So um, they have these weapons and as long and now they have the secondary scoring back, hopefully, that makes them so much harder to play because you can't just shut down Sid and Gino. You gotta then focus on Broussard's line or Shea's line. I mean, you you got you got guys that are gamers now on yeah. all four lines. I mean, it's a very deep hockey team that's capable of scoring a lot of points. And when you can score a lot of goals like that, you're going to be tough to beat. Let's talk about your bold predictions. Yeah. Take a couple of those and let's let let's back them up a little bit. Okay. So, what do you feel is out of your bold predictions? What do you feel is the most bold prediction? One that you one that you think is most likely to come true, and one that you think would would uh, okay would really take some work. Uh, for me, the one that's probably going to be toughest to come true. Mm -hmm. Is them having three 100 point scores? Right, right. I was, <laughs> I was going to bring that up, but I mean, yeah. it's it's they have guys capable of it sure. for sure. I wouldn't be shocked if Sid and Gino could get to that plateau. Sure. Getting Phil into it as well, because I believe uh, I start off with saying Phil's going to be a hundred point scorer. Sid's going to be a uh, an Art Ross winner this year, right. and then <laughs> Gino will be the third hundred point scorer. And and I I do think it's it's not out of the realm of possibility, but generally speaking, that's probably the toughest to have happen, just because goal scoring is down. Um, it, it spiked a little bit again last year and it looks like in the preseason, a lot of goals are being scored. Yeah. So if you have games where they're putting up five and six goals, hundred points is not out of the question. So, but I do think that's the one that's toughest to become a reality. The power play one is one that I wouldn't be shocked to see them, uh, achieve. They did it last year. They set the new franchise record sure. and they have all the same weapons plus because you have Chris Letang's going to be healthy and be there. Justin Schultz is a very capable power play performer. And you now have Jack Johnson, who's capable of playing on the power play, and he's got a booming slapper. He's going to put that shot on net. That's going to create a bunch of rebounds. That's going to create opportunities for Jake Gensel around the net, Sidney Crosby around the net. Sid might start doing that little tip move right at the goal mouth mm -hmm. again. He hasn't done that in a few years where he was just chipping pucks in like right. that. So the power play could very feasibly hit 26.3% to set a new <laughs> franchise mark again. So I think that's a realistic one. And uh, the, the 100 points is probably tough. Very good. Brian Metzer, we've been talking hockey with Brian Metzer of the Penguins Radio Network and the, um, every time I say the new, I want to say, and the new, <laughs> the new hockey, <laughs> hockey writer, Penn's writer for the- um, Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. <laughs> children of all ages. Um, <laughs> uh, we do this every week. Hey, we're here. Come on, come on over. Um <laughs> Penguins preview, uh, Pittsburgh Current Penguins preview on stands now. Um, find it at your retail outlets or online at pittsburghcurrent.com. Um, also, follow us on our socials at PGH Current. And um, Brian Metzger, thank you very much for coming in. And uh, you want to plug, oh, look for Brian's coverage on pittsburghcurrent.com as the season progresses. And we'll also see him in the print issue as well. Um, so we're looking forward to getting a lot more from you this season, a lot more of your insights and analysis. Yeah. I, well, thanks for having me today. Uh, thanks for inviting me on board with your Absolutely. publication. That's been a blast so far. I love the issue. It came together really well. If you haven't found it yet, please do, uh, look it up, uh, 
Pitt- at, yeah, currently at on this on the site, right? Yeah, PittsburghCurrent.com. Go to currently at, and you can see an interactive where map the boxes are and where our like boxes that. are, our, our, our retail outlets. And um, yeah, we'll see you next week on the Pittsburgh Current Podcast. Uh, Charlie Deach, editor and publisher. Meow. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.